The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive with Dr. Rebecca Risk. Do you ever feel that even though nothing seems seriously wrong and you pass all the medical tests, that you still feel that your health, pain, and fatigue are completely out of control? It doesn't have to be that way. Listen to the tips and suggestions given on our program today and take back control of your health. Now, here is Dr. Rebecca Risk. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Falling Through the Cracks. Joining me today is Nancy Collier, who is a psychotherapist, interfaith minister, author, and veteran meditator. We're discussing her book, The Power of Off, The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. Welcome to the show, Nancy. Thanks for having me. Um, So what inspired you to write this book? Well, being human being in this um, world that seems less and less designed, I would say, for humans in some way, Um, I started seeing all sorts of things in my practice as a therapist. For example, I started seeing people bringing in their phones and leaving them on during their one hour of therapy for the week. And moms were always leaving them on. People with jobs, they felt they couldn't miss a moment. And started noticing how that was really changing the, the process and how often we were catching back up, you know, we get distracted and then we have to sort of re-enter the material. I started noticing how much, and you and I were just sort of laughing about this, how much of the content of what people were talking about was about their problems with technology. So even just this week, one man is talking about he can't get his software and hardware compatible and what stress that's causing. Another woman lives on a high floor of a of a high-rise building and her Wi-Fi is cutting out and she's trying to run a business from there. So all these sorts of things that are the antithesis of technology making life easier. And I started seeing people experiencing what I call a state of twiredness, which is tired and wired. We're, We're simultaneously exhausted, keeping up, keeping up, and... We're also completely amped up and amphetamine. So we're in this kind of really strange state. It's not just computers that are never off or our phones, our devices. It's we who are never off. And then also, you know, I started to see just I live in, in a big city and I used to love you know, meeting people at jury duty, on the subway and all that sort of stuff of community. I really saw that disappearing as everyone's face is buried into their personal device. And then, of course, I started seeing in my home, I have a teenager. So the fighting around the device and the interruption of family time and really no different than any other addiction, you know, to try and get my kids off for short periods of time, how this addiction was impacting our family environment. And I saw in my own life that I developed a kind of addiction to email. I was checking email far more than anything I was receiving warranted. I was not getting anything from Obama. I was not, you know, I was not needed at that level. And yet I had built this kind of lottery brain that I just wasn't okay with. So all of these things, I mean, it's so global, but I essentially started to see how if what we want really is well-being and if what we really want is connection to others and a, and a satisfying, nourishing life, the way we're using technology is not taking us there. It's the wrong, it's the wrong path if that's what we want. So um, can you just explain um, if, uh, what, what you think that all of this being connected is actually doing to us? What is this wrong path that we're taking? Well, it's doing 
so many things. I would say one thing that's sort of, it's sort of paradoxical because we're all about mindfulness these days. It's the buzz, it's the rage. But what we're really doing with all of our technology is we're finding ways to check out on the moment. We're actually not in the present moment paying attention. So at the very basic level, we are, our attention is in our device. We're here eating this apple, having this conversation with this friend, whatever it is, but we're, we're distracted and we're not really fully present here. If we're not doing that, then we are walking on that country road, let's say, looking for places to take selfies of ourselves walking on that country road so that we can post that and uh, make sure everybody knows that we're the kind of person that, you know, takes walks on country road. We're building our brand all the time. Or just as another example, if we're not doing that, then we're at our kids' concert videotaping the thing so that later we can show everyone. But again, the cost of all of these uh, uses of technology is the direct experience of being present when it's actually our life is happening. So we're actually missing out on our lives, even though our, our iPhoto file has got 64 gigabytes of memory, we don't have any direct experience of life. And I'm seeing that more and more in my practice as people describe this kind of sense of themselves is virtual or their lives is virtual, like when is my real life going to start or as if this is not quite real. So there's a kind of a blurring, I would say, of what's real and what's not as we check out on what's real. I would also say, you know, our relationship with ourselves is changing fundamentally. So on the one hand, again, it's a paradox. On the one hand, we think that every cinnamon latte that we have is fascinating. It's just, you know, we're relating to the world like they're all our mothers. Or we, you know, we're designing rooms that have just our temperature that we like, just our music. So we're becoming these kind of raging narcissists. But at the same time, we don't really view our own company, our own presence as a destination. So we don't, we don't actually value time spent with ourselves anymore. A lot of people I know, the time they, the time they dread the most in the day is at the end of the day when it's just them. They're just with their own thoughts or feelings or what have you. And same, you know, it goes for if we're waiting on a line or we have five minutes to kill, we see ourselves as nobody's home. We're like a vacuum. And it's interesting because I see this a lot with younger, with millennials, particularly where, for example, let's say two people have just met and they're starting a relationship and maybe some good stuff has started to happen. What, what's happening now is that that woman is posting on social media and then she goes into a full-on panic attack after the post because whatever comes back from this person that she has just started a relationship with will determine whether or not he likes her or whether or not, you know, the relationship is going to go forward. In other words, everything right now is being externally determined. She no longer looks into, well, we've been having a good time. I like him or it seems like it's going well. We don't look to ourselves as a source of knowing anymore. And that that is a very insidious um uh, change that's happening. I asked my daughter the other day, what do you want for dinner? And she said, well, let me go look on Instagram and see, see some cool photos. Yeah, all minor little things, if we just look at that one element, but what's happening is that we don't see ourselves as a source of much anymore. I'm going to give you one more example, too. We're walking down the street and maybe we have one of those moments like in New York, you know, a woman has a stroller and you just open the door to help. And you have that sort of sweetness when you share a moment like that with someone. Well, pre our addiction to technology, we might have walked down the rest of that street and just, just spent some time making meaning or just, just sort of letting that marinate in ourselves what had just happened. But of course, as you know, right now we will immediately again post that on social media. Maybe we'll 
you know, hashtag gratitude, hashtag sweetness, whatever nonsense we say. And then we wait again for the meaning of it or whatever uh, value it has to come back from the external validation. But we haven't absorbed it and changed as a result of it. Well, it's it's interesting. I've never thought about it quite this way because um, the technology, I guess, came up in my adulthood as much as it is now. And uh, I know it's it's different for those that are younger because it's been their whole lives. And I know even when my niece was younger, uh, my sister felt she had to have a cell phone for safety. And I never had a cell phone and she never, my sister never had a cell phone, but, but there was this, um, you know, the technology is there, so we should do that. Um, and then I think, you know, when you're giving a a 10 year old a cell phone, they're growing up with this attached to them, like a safety, it's almost like a safety in the beginning. And then I think it, it, yeah. And we have this now, this very odd sense that we need to be uber available at every moment. We're kind of living in a state of fight or flight all the time. You know, it used to be that that it was only when someone was dying, let's say, that we had to live in that kind of hyper-aroused, you know, when is the phone call going to come in? But we now live in that state all the time. And the assumption, of course, is that when someone is texting you that you're getting it right away. You're getting it and you should respond right away. And that state is, is for the nervous system is, is um, dreadful. Essentially, we need periods of rest. We need periods of silence. We need periods where we have our own full attention. And not just a part of us is here while another part is on call. So right now, when millennials are hired for jobs, the assumption is that they will have the phone 24-7 with them. They actually, employers will ask this. And, you know, it speaks to this point, Rebecca, that, that you know, there's this mythology in a sense that, that technology makes life easier, it makes life more connected, it makes life freer, it makes you freer because, of course, we can work remotely and all this sort of stuff. But the truth is, right, is that the way we're using it, the way we are relating to it, for many people, is not making it easier. In fact, we have to do an enormous amount of work to keep up and keep our technology working and all of that. And as far as connection goes, what a lot of people are experiencing is that more communication does not lead to a sense of deeper connectedness, quite the opposite. If we're not having face-to-face communication, we feel less connected to those in our lives and as far as making life freer, you know, really the, 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 the phone is the Trojan horse that once it gets into your house, then you must be available, right? That's, that's the thing. So uh, the mythology of technology and the way we're using it, the gap between those is starting to widen such that I'm very optimistic because people are saying, wait a minute, wait, wait, wait a minute. I don't know if this is working for me. Is it working for me to have to be on call 24-7? How's that making me feel, really? Well, um, you know, how is that making people feel? (laughs) Not making people feel too good. I will tell you that I hear about it all day long in my practices. And it's making people feel, again, this feeling of being tired, just burnt out. There's circuitry. They don't have the bandwidth to keep going at this speed. And again, because there also is no longer really a distinction between public life and private life. And we don't have a kind of refuge in the family. The devices have gotten in there. And so what people are, are longing for more and more are these spaces, these silences and so much so that there are travel industries now that are, are being born that are very expensive places where people can just go to get off the grid. So what people are experiencing is a need to um, have more space and have more quiet. And, you know, one other thing, you know, you're saying, how are we changing? Well, it's also interesting just to notice how some of the values that technology is helping us to support 
are the values of fame and speed and immediate gratification and whatever's easiest and popularity. You know, techno- we're using technology in a way to support those kinds of values. So what we're seeing is some of the things that really nourish us, like long-range thinking, working really hard, mastery, um, solving difficult grown-up problems, these are these are things, qualities, experiences that are um, going by the wayside to some degree as we as we opt for whatever is easiest and whatever makes me most popular. So you're seeing all these kids, you know, become famous on Vine, let's say, in these sort of uh, platforms where you know what you need is funny hats to become a, a sensation. Or you can do a great split. You know, this is we're becoming a culture that is dumbing down to some degree what what we consider valuable. So we're changing um, in all these ways. Well, we're we're going to take a, a quick break. Um, we're going to be back shortly. Uh, today, we're talking with Nancy Collier. She's the author of The Power of Off: The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. So we'll be back shortly. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. The largest syndicated alternative health talk program has come to the Voice America Network. The Dr. Bob Martin Show is the program that will answer your health questions and help you to heal your own body of many different ailments. Each week, you'll hear the answers that Dr. Bob gives to his callers that help them to be their own doctor most of the time. We'll also discuss developments on the health care front and what you need to do to keep your body in top form. The Dr. Bob Martin Show airs Wednesday mornings at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. We are bombarded with information daily about happy life strategies, beauty products, and business success ideas. Are they truly going to make a change or just take the change out of your pocket? Tune in to Shelly's Show and Tell with host Shelly Hancock. Shelly will explore and recommend proven business ideas as well as show you how to use the law of attraction to create health, happiness, and a prosperous business. Listen Mondays at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Health and Wellness. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, and welcome back. Today we're talking with Nancy Collier. She is a psychotherapist, interfaith minister, author, and veteran meditator. We're talking about her book, The Power of Off, The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. So, Nancy, you mentioned... um, um, earlier about how you know addiction but we didn't really go into what an addiction techno- to technology means can you just explain so that people who are thinking about this and wondering if they fit in this category what that would look like so an addiction to technology is no different than any other addiction the only real differences I, I see and I've studied this a lot are <laughs> One, we've all drunk the Kool-Aid, so we're all in on this one. This, this is now a condoned collective societal addiction. The other difference with this addiction is that in other addictions, the addiction puts you outside society. Somehow it excludes you. And with technology addiction, this is part of what's making it very challenging, is that it actually makes you an insider. It makes you part of the club. So you're right there, you know, at the genius bar with your sparkly case, you're, you're good to go. You know, that's, that makes for a more difficult addiction to tackle. The way I look at uh, whether one has a problem is essentially the same markers as other addictions. So you ask yourself, 
am I spending more and more time with my devices? Am I giving up, even if it's subtly, other aspects of my life that perhaps brought nourishment at some other time uh, so that I can use? Am I continuing to use despite knowing that it's causing impairment to my work life, my social life, my hobbies, my family life, or my health? Am I lying about my technology use, looking for opportunities to use without sharing them? And then perhaps um, the biggest one of all is there's some part of me that wants to or is curious about cutting down, uh, but I don't or I won't or I can't. And then the final one, which is really critical, is when I try to cut down, do I experience withdrawal symptoms, anxiety, depression, agitation, despair, panic, what, whatever it may be, um, do I experience those when I cut down? And so these are really the classic markers. If you, if you have one of those, I'd say you're right to be very curious about your use of technology. If you have two or more, you're, you're really looking at something that would improve your life to address. And again, how we address this, right, we're not looking to get off technology. You know, even caves these days have Wi-Fi. We're not, that, that, you know, that horse has left, left the barn. We can't, we're not interested in being Luddites. There are tremendously wonderful things about technology. But what we're interested in is finding freedom in technology, not from technology. We need to find a way. It's a bit more like an eating disorder, you know, than it is a drinking problem because we, we have to find a place for this new world in our life. And that really begins, we can talk more about this as we move into the detox, but it begins with awareness, like everything. It begins with some acknowledgement that the way I'm using technology and the kind of life or what's important to me, something is out of alignment here. So um, what do you mean by detox? So in the book, I offer a 30-day detox. And what I do is I walk people through, I, I break it down into three different stages. The first stage, again, is this awareness. Awareness, awareness, that is our, um, that will protect us from any addiction. So we start out by just creating a kind of inner colander in the mind, which means that every time we have this thought or we have this impulse to use, right, we are um, on public transportation, oh, you know, I could play Candy Crush or, you know, I'm taking a walk. Well, I could take photos of all this and then, and then show everyone where I went for a walk. Whatever the impulse is, that we catch that impulse in this inner colander and we say, hmm, right? We catch the thought before we act on the thought. Because right now, the thoughts, one of the things about technology is that it's like crack cocaine for the mind. You know, we're, we're kind of walking around right now like little little minds disembodied. It gives us data and entertainment and food, food, food problems to fix, travel reservations. All that stuff is amping up the mind. When the mind gets amped up, it fits out a lot, a lot of thoughts, a lot of impulses. So we've got to find a place in ourselves that can become aware of what the mind is spitting out without having to be dragged around by it and obey it. So the first part of the detox is just saying, every time we get that thought, we say, hmm, is this coming from habit energy? Is this something I really need to do, like for work? Is this because I'm bored? What's actually happening? What would I have to feel if I didn't act on it right in this moment? What's happening right here in this moment that's, making me want to check out on this moment. So right there is this fundamental shift where rather than our thoughts forcing us into a state of unconsciousness to distraction and so on, we use those very same thoughts and impulses 
to become more self-aware. We see that as, oh, this is an opportunity to look more closely, to be mindful of this moment, what's happening here, that I suddenly want to check out and distract myself. So that's the first part of the detox is to start building our awareness, our mindfulness muscle, so these impulses and these these thoughts don't they don't rule the show. They're not our pilot, right? And then the 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 meat of the detox is every day for thirty days we incorporate a new behavior and we add them on. So by the end we're incorporating thirty different behaviors. And they could be very small. We don't use while we're cooking, let's say. We don't, when we're sitting with a friend at a table, we don't have the phone in between us sitting there. Every day, we take a 10-minute walk, let's say, without our phone. Or we, we do something where we are separated from our phone. If we are exercising, right, we are not also multitasking and texting and doing all of that. We're doing, we can use it for music. All these sort of very small things. Maybe today we phone a friend instead of texting them just to just sort of keep ourselves. We take the phone out of our bedroom. The last hour before we go to sleep, we're not on technology. There are a whole bunch in there. Some are things to do, to add. Some are things to, um, to be mindful and refrain from. And realizing, right, that we don't build habits overnight and we don't get rid of habits in 30 days even. So that this is an ongoing process, it's a 30-day detox, but at the end of it, we still need to then pick and choose which are the activities added or taken away that really help me build a better sense of well-being, build more of a sense of control over my use of technology. Now, the final piece of the detox is this very conscious act of naming what is important in my life because where we put our attention and where we put our energy is what we're saying matters. So technology is not going to become discerning for us. Technology is not going to jump out of our hands and and tell us, oh, you're a little bit over, you know, you're amped up now or this is taking you away from your true connection. It's not going to do it for us. So what we need to do is we need to be very clear and conscious within ourselves of what kind of life do I want to create and what are the behaviors that allow me to do that. We need to take conscious control over what we're paying attention to and name that out loud, not leave that to chance. And that third piece, the sort of, you know, the second piece of bread there is just as important as the other two the changing of the behavior, and the awareness. So um, w- one thing that you and I talked about on the break was um, the the millennials as well as, you know, younger generations coming up um, who, um, you know, the technology is so much part of of their lives and I know I've, I've, I've heard some comments and you mentioned this in your book as well of, of you know, I can't sleep without my phone under my pillow or, um, you know, just not, you can't be without it. Um, and so w- what is that, um, you know, we're talking about the detox, but what is that changing for um, what life is going to be like for for these generations coming up? Well, we don't know is the real answer, right? Mm-hmm. I think what, you know, what we're seeing, as you said, 50% of all generations, not just millennials, when they wake up in the middle of the night, now check their email. So to me, that's a very disturbing statistic because what it shows you, again, is that we feel completely um, that our life is dependent upon these devices and that our own company, again, is not a place of presence. It's like an absence. So we immediately have to reach to something that will make us feel whole or make us give us something, supplement, you know, supplement our own being. So what I, the parents that I talked to, and I talked to lots of parents that had to manage this, one of the things that we stress is besides clearly setting limits, besides um, actually uh, teaching these kids other ways 
they literally have to learn other ways of communicating. And like we, an older generation, might have had to learn the, the technology, they have to learn how to be in the same room, how to sit across the table from someone. Literally addressing these uh, skills with the millennials and more the, the younger generation even before that. But also, here's the thing, is keeping them in touch with their own experience. By that I mean asking them, how do you feel? You know, when you're with that friend and that friend spent the whole play date with you texting other people that are not in the room. Or how do you feel when, you know, you have 10 minutes there and you feel like if you're not doing something, doing, 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 learning, being entertained, how, how do you feel in that situation? Or how do you feel when you've spent the entire weekend, you know, Snapchatting with people and that most of these kids, if they're pointed towards their own experience, also feel a sense of anxiety, also feel a sense of disconnection. And so we have to keep these younger generations in touch with, they don't know a life without the phone, but they, they can start to know how it's impacting them. And I always suggest to parents that you have periods of abstinence. So like with my older daughter, we do a month in the summer where she doesn't use phone and then really point to them, how did that feel? How did you feel at the end of that? We have to keep that kind of awareness going. But what it will mean in terms of as a, this is their life support system, I, I don't know what that will mean going forward, but it's hard to imagine that, that it's not going to happen. Well, you know, uh, yesterday when I had this show on my mind and uh, I was out shopping and I saw a parent with one of those buggies that you can rent um, from the mall for their kids and had, they had two kids and the buggy actually came with a built-in screen with games on it. And, you know, of course the kids, that's what the kids were doing while the parents got to shop. And I thought, you know, I I know some kids would be screaming and and maybe it, it was a relief to them to be able to shop with their kids. But my thought was when I was a kid, I went shopping with my parents and I had to learn that patience and discipline for things to happen in my life. And I had to... I either brought my own book to to read when I was able to read, but when I was younger, I just had to be there with them. And it was something I had to learn how to do. And and I can see that, you know, I mean, this all went through my mind because I was thinking about this show that what's going to happen later in life is they're not going to be able to to do those things and have that patience for other people because they never had to have it. You are spot on. That is a really, really insightful um uh, comment, what we don't learn, right, because we're constantly something is shoved, our children, something is shoved in their face, and they get to be a passive recipient of, even if it's a learning video or what have you, it's a passive form of entertainment. So we just respond, right? We respond to whatever the prompts are. We are sort of medicated there. And what we're losing, you know, I saw it with my younger daughter, that there was a time she's younger and, and we let her play a little bit some games on the iPad that were learning games. And within one week, she had stopped all of her imaginative play. She used to go in her room and, you know, make up all of these characters. Within one week, she was begging for the entertainment that would be provided for her and her own imaginative, creative force there, uh, Stepped out. Of course, we, we stopped with the iPhone and all of that. Kind of, and, and within a week or two, that was all back. She had, you know, all the imaginary characters were back in play. But the power of this technology to, as you say, not just um, kill off imaginative play and the creation of our own entertainment, not the receiving of it, not the passive engagement, but the, but the imaginative creative part of it, but also, as you say, to find ways to self-regulate, to deal with boredom, to deal with open spaces, to deal with what is a lot of life, which is it's 
or used to be a lot of life, where you got to figure out how to be in a situation that's maybe not immediately pleasing. It doesn't have all the bells and whistles and entertainment to keep you uh, sedated in that sense. And that skill of how do I tolerate frustration? How do I tolerate, again, open spaces, not having an object of my attention? A lot of people say that we're becoming unfocused, but I think we're becoming hyper-focused so that we're never not staring at something and something to engage with. But you're very wisely pointing out that the ability to engage our own mind, engage our own uh, imagination without anything external is ultimately what builds confidence. It's what builds uh, grit. It's what makes us um, really strong human beings that, that know our own company as a place. We don't need anything else. We can figure it out. All of that, as we, as we medicate that state, is probably um, at risk, I would say. It's probably at risk for our, our next generations. But again, you know, we can say that we're heading in a, in a negative direction, but, but something is afoot here that we actually don't know. We don't know where that will take us or what new kind of universal mind that may create. It's, it's all unknown at this point. It, it, we are, however, breeding that necessary psychological uh, capacity out of our younger generations. And, and perhaps there will come a time that they're not necessary because we are on all the time. But we have those chips in and we just have to press a button and we're immediately engaged. Without placing judgment, good or bad, um, we are changing. We're going to take a quick break. Um, we're talking today with Nancy Collier. She is a psychotherapist, interfaith minister, author, and veteran meditator. She's the author of The Power of Off, The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. So we'll be back shortly. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Frankly Speaking About Cancer is a program designed to empower survivors and their caregivers to deal with the social and emotional challenges of cancer. The show will invite physicians, researchers, nurses, social workers, patients, and caregivers to share their advice on how to live a better life with cancer. Join host Kim Tibaldo, President and CEO of the Cancer Support Community, Tuesday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific Time and 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. What causes us to be sick? We're not talking about the actual illness or the scientific cause of illnesses. We're talking about your body and health. Listen for the healing whisper of Return to Peace. Each week, host Dr. Marianne Chase shows you how to listen to your heart to identify poor health, stress, and disease. You'll learn how to heal energetically and spiritually, as well as physically. It's time to depend less on the drugs and more on the heart. The Healing Whisper airs live every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Health & Wellness. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You are listening to Falling Through the Cracks with your host, Dr. Rebecca Risk. To reach the program today, please call in to 1-866-472-5792. Again, that's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email directly to Dr. Risk. The email address is anantacalgary at gmail.com. Now, back to Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to Falling Through the Cracks. Today, we're talking with Nancy Collier. She's the author of the book, The Power of Off. So, Nancy, earlier we talked about um, going through a detox um, and uh, with technology. And what shifts can, and I guess even difficulties, can people expect to experience when they start doing that? They will experience the withdrawal symptoms of an addiction. And they are to be expected, so um, don't, be, don't be frightened and don't be deterred. You might feel anxious. You probably are going to get a lot of pushback from your mind, and by that I mean 
um, we have all these rationalizations for why uh, this is not an addiction, why um, there's nothing wrong with it. You know, we're not falling down in an alley. There's so much to learn. It allows me to be so uh, connected. All of these things, we have our whole defense structure built. So you're going to get a lot of that coming at you from your mind. I don't need this. And this is ridiculous. This is the way of the world. This is, you know, this is not going to make my life better. It just makes me feel more isolated. So we, we're going to have to be able to tolerate some of that and just go through it and know that it's pushback. It usually means you're onto something good because your mind is worried. And you're going to feel probably cut off for a little bit. Like that on that 10 minute walk where you don't have your phone with you, you're going to feel maybe kind of nervous. Maybe if somebody's trying to reach you or uh, missing out, FOMO, I might be missing out on something, whatever it is. And, and just like with any detox, just expect all that. And part of the detox is being willing to just let that all be there and keep doing it. Just keep working it. And sometimes having a buddy to do it with can really be helpful. Just saying to someone else, I'm really wanting to just get curious about my youth here and um, to just stay in it, to really, it's stamina. And I promise you that at the end of it and then incorporating some of those techniques and all of the things that I offer, journaling, there's a whole bunch of stuff in there, um, it really will make your life better. It really will um, get your own what's really important with in your life will get it more in alignment with the way that you're living. And and that's the thing about this. This book is about it's really optimistic about we want to get back in the driver's seat of how we're living. So many people I talk to, they feel kind of out of control. Like there's something in them that just is not okay with just being so, so much around and on and in technology. And and so we are taking the uh, position of, I get to choose how I live my life. I get to choose the way I spend my time. Now, listen, sometimes we have relatives, like you have, you know, millennial relatives, and they'll only communicate via Snapchat. Okay, fine. So we do that. But again, we're bringing mindfulness. We're bringing awareness in how do we want to be in relationship with our technology use. Yes, the world is is becoming more and more of that, but every moment we're making individual choices for our life, for ourselves. And, and we can really take control of that in a way that makes our life profoundly better. So, um, you talked earlier about mindfulness and, and you talk about presence as well. Um, I, I, this, and as you said, this is a, a big topic right now probably because we're all forgetting to be present. But can you just explain um, what that means so when people are working towards that, they, they can have a sense of when that's happening or how to work on it? Sure. So mindfulness essentially is the act of paying attention on purpose in this present moment without judgment. That's the definition of mindfulness. The act of paying attention on purpose in this moment without judgment. So what we want and and a life that um, we show up for, that we're present and paying attention to, is a life well lived. If even if what we're paying attention to is sometimes unpleasant, the fact is we're in our life. We're living it. We don't have that experience of what just happened. You know, we get to the end of our life and, wait a minute, was I there? Did I show up? Well, was I lost in thoughts? Was I lost in a game of, you know, Angry Birds? Where was I, right? The one thing that we really, what we want to do is we want to be in our lives as it's happening. So we want to look at our technology use and ask, you know, where is it really kidnapping life from us? So that even though we're over there, you know, having that conversation with somebody who's not in this room, you know, what am I missing out on here? Because what what nourishes us at the end of the day is to feel present in our lives, to feel we were inhabiting them. And then when there's joy and then when there's richness, we're really, we're absorbing it. We're in it. 
So this book is really about, that's our destination, is the present moment and to, to be able to really live it. We're not willing to give that up. But it doesn't mean, again, Rebecca, it doesn't mean that, you know, if we have to make a phone call or text someone while we're walking home from school with our child, it's not about a judgment of that. It's an overall rehaul of the way we're relating to this moment, not as a place to get out of that we need to supplement so that it can feel uh, valuable or whole, but rather just on its own, the starkness of this moment, this is the place we want to be living. Well, and I think what I understand from what you're saying is that um, we're, we can't be without technology because this is the way our society is and you can't have a job without email and you can't, it is hard to have, you know, family without a phone and texting. Um, but I, I think it's more the needing to sleep with your phone or have it on all the time and never being able to put it aside and, and relate to the people with you. And, and that's where, um, from what I gather you're seeing is where we're starting to get a problem. Um, in your book, you talked about how your, I, I think it was your daughter had a play date and they all sat there texting for their play date. That's, that's what they do now, you know, and yeah. it's become a way, it's a social, it's a, it helps them socially because if you have no one to talk to at a party, I see the kids, they immediately go on, you know, there's probably nobody on the screen, but it's become the new way that you don't feel awkward. Well, again, speaking to your point of the stroller with the screen, we learn something from feeling awkward, right? We learn to walk mm-hmm. up to somebody. We, we build psychological skills that ultimately make us feel more confident and uh, more uh, developed, right? So now we just have our phone and half the people walking around pretending to have a conversation are not having a conversation, but they're finding ways to avoid uh, what's difficult about real life. So um, is this technology, just with the the way we're talking now, people aren't willing to go through that social awkward part. Is that changing our sense of community? It is 100% changing everything about community. So when we don't come together and gather uh, shoulder to shoulder, we have a different experience of community. And it's not to say that virtual communities are not valuable. They are. But there's something that happens cellularly when we are physically together with other people that cannot be Uh, manufactured through the ether. And so, again, I encourage people to absolutely be part of social networks, be part of all of that, but don't imagine that you're going to get the same nourishment or the same sense of um, togetherness uh, through that virtual experience. They're just simply different animals. So I know many people, you know, who, you know, they get their... 200 Facebook happy birthday, you know, from from friends who have been alerted that it's their birthday. And no surprise, they, they don't really feel uh, nourished by that. They don't really feel loved. You know, again, it's this mythology that's formed where we imagine that the more likes we have and the more followers we have, the more liked and the more part of something we'll feel. But it's not actually the case. We, we, we do rely still. We're human beings. And there's something about our embodiment that, that requires contact. And, and so just not to confuse them as, as if they are the same thing, virtual community and real community. And, and, and the virtual community is a form of real, but it doesn't provide the same thing. Well, and there's there's some value to the virtual community because yes, say you're yes. you're going through something and you're isolated, whether it's just isolated socially or isolated in say a small town, and you can reach out and still get support. But at the same time, that can isolate you more because you're not reaching out to those around you and having that face to face contact. You're saying is so important. Exactly, and and that's why it's it's such a complex topic, really, because there. You know, everything about technology resolves itself in contradiction. You know, we have, for example, with our recent election, you know, 
on the one hand, social media fomented just tremendous rage, tremendous sort of bad behavior, as we know, and, and all sorts of stuff. Um, at the same time, that as the returns were coming in, you know, many of the folks that, that I know uh, felt a great sense of community uh, sharing whatever experience they were having, that they were not alone in feeling the way they were feeling. So, yes, on the one hand, it, it gives us this, this feeling like we are supported, we are together, we're not alone, and yet it also can exacerbate our aloneness and it can also bring out qualities in, in us that are really negative. Or that, you know, can see things because there's, there, you're not looking in anybody's eyes and we don't have to have any consequences. It's just, you know, it brings out this sort of, again, this sort of inner shadow in us. And, and so technology is complex. It's the both. The, the, the point I'm making is, you know, it's really just recognizing that they're two separate animals and not to forego our very human need for a deeper life, you know, not to live only in the shallows, only through 140 character text, that we need context. We need to come together as human beings. We need to contemplate. We need depth in order to feel well. So it's it's about recognizing that and, and not depriving yourself of that real need. Um, so, you know, I, I think this is this show has been, um, you know, really important points, and I, I believe that this affects everybody. Whether we're, um, you know, I know some people don't have cell phones, but whether you're um, choosing to already be disconnected or you are in the middle of that, um, it's good to look at where you are and how that's affecting you. Um, which your book is really good at helping people figure that out. Ah, yes, I hope so. It's a, it's a very, it's a book about uh, regaining authority over your own life, ultimately. So if there's anybody who's, yeah, if there's anybody who's listening who wants to get a hold of you or have more information about your book, how can they do so? Sure. So to get in touch with me or my website is nancycollier.com and that's one L, so C-O-L-I-E-R. And the book is available everywhere. Books are sold online in bookstores. Um, and any feedback or questions or dialogue, uh, reach me through my website because um, it's, we all need it. And sometimes we need also feedback uh, to really work the program. Uh, well, thank you so much for joining me today, Nancy. This was a great show. I'm so glad to be here. Delighted. So today we were talking with Nancy Collier. She's the author of The Power of Off, The Mindful Way to Stay Sane in a Virtual World. And next week, um, join me with Dr. Jason Fung about his book, The Complete Guide to Fasting. Um, This is going to be a great show. Please tune in and uh, make sure to make today a great day. Thank you for tuning in to this week's edition of Falling Through the Cracks. Feel alive and thrive. Please join Dr. Rebecca Risk again next Monday at noon Eastern Time and 9 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. We'll talk more next week. 